Good morning. Today is a great day, and it's great to be with you as we worship together. It's a great day because it's the Lord's Day, but it's also a day of celebration because it's Mother's Day. Woohoo! Yes, we get to shamelessly, okay, that's shamelessly, not shamefully. We get to shamelessly honor and thank our mothers and the, the women God has put in our lives for all that they've done and for all that they are. I like the, the video of the youth. I loved it, expressing their appreciation for their moms because I don't think we do that enough. You know, when you're young, you don't appreciate all that your mom does for you. As you get older, boy, you start to miss it and you wish somebody would take care of you. But here are a few quotes I found that speak to a mother's love and selflessness. The quickest way for a mother to get a child's attention is to sit down and look comfortable. Isn't that the truth? If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? Take that, evolutionist. A mother is a person who's seeing there are only four pieces of pie for five people, promptly announces she never did care for pie. <clears throat> My mother had a great deal of trouble with me, but I think she enjoyed it. Okay, so nothing too profound here, but I think it captures some of the ways some of the ways that our mothers and our grandmothers have been a blessing to us. Thank you to all the moms and the ladies out there and in our church. Thank you for being who you are. I hope you have a great day. Before we turn to the word this morning, let's take a moment to pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you that it's Mother's Day. We thank you for our moms and for our grandmothers and for the, the women that you've placed in our lives, Lord. They have blessed us and enriched us. We thank you for them. We ask, Lord, that you would bless them on this special day. Lord, as we turn to your word, we ask, Lord, that you would speak to us through your holy word. That the words of my mouth, Lord, would be from your heart and you would bring us your message this morning. I pray that you administer to each person who watches this. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Luke chapter 11. And we're continuing on in the book of Luke. We're following Jesus's ministry, you know, in this, in this gospel, as he teaches and as he ministers and as he grows in popularity. But as the crowds increase and as Jesus gets more and more attention, he begins to come under the scrutiny of the religious leaders, the Pharisees in particular. They're not sure about Jesus. They're not sure about what he teaches and the way he lives and the way he shows his love to the people. Many of them don't like him and they don't like that he's developing this following among the people. In this morning's passage, we're gonna see how Jesus or where Jesus in the strongest way possible, he rebukes the Pharisees and he rebukes and he comes down on them for their hypocrisy and for the way they misrepresent what it means to love God. So let's read from uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 37 through 44. It says, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash before the meal. 
Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and respectful greetings in the marketplace. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk over without knowing it. <clears throat> Strong words from Jesus. Now, we know Jesus to be a loving shepherd, one who will go to great lengths to, to love and to serve and to heal and to forgive others. He extends grace and mercy to those hurting, to the lost, and to those that are on the, are on the margins of society. But make no mistake, Jesus is no pushover. He's not soft or weak. We should never mistake God's kindness and his compassion and his patience for weakness. When I generally think of these characteristics, I think of the two most important women in my life, my wife and my mom. They are both loving and kind, and yet they are strong women, strong people. You better not cross them. And I think their past jobs convey this. Many of you know Renee was a social worker at the county jail where she did counseling for mentally ill inmates. And my mom, she had kind of a similar job. She was a kindergarten teacher for LA Unified. See the similarities? In this passage, Jesus holds nothing back. No, he comes out guns blazing. We see that he's not afraid to confront the Pharisees and he calls them out for their hypocrisy and their falsehood. As we look at verse 37, we see a Pharisee invites Jesus to eat with him. And it says he's surprised that Jesus does not wash before the meal. Now, something you need to know about the Pharisees is that they prided themselves on obeying God's law. They were meticulous. They took their religious beliefs seriously. So in one sense, the Pharisees were to be admired because they weren't casual about their faith. And being casual about our faith, that's, that's, I think that's a problem sometimes we see in our society. Many people call themselves Christians, but they don't prioritize Christ at all in their lives. For the Pharisees, however, rather than understand the spirit of the law and what God intended, they developed their own meticulous system of traditions and rituals and rules geared towards just trying to meet the letter of the law. And they looked down on those who didn't conform. Now washing before eating is not a bad thing, right? And we were learning that today. Washing our hands, wearing masks, keeping our distance from each other, this, this prevents uh, prevents the spread of germs. It saves lives. 
And just like you might be shamed today if you didn't wash your hands or you went out in public without a mask, the Pharisees showed his surprise. And I think he probably shamed Jesus. Even though Jesus was his guest, he probably shamed him for not washing before eating. But he didn't shame him for the reason you might think. The Pharisees didn't wash to cleanse themselves of dirt or bacteria or or to make a more healthy environment. They washed because it was required by the tradition of the elders. In other words, they developed this elaborate ritual of washing before they eat and before they sit down to dine in order to be considered spiritually clean. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't go for this, right? Jesus jumps all over this. In verse 39, he rebukes them for how they clean the outside of the cup and the dish, how they give attention to the way things look, but they neglect what's really going on inside. As all of this occurs, you know, you might ask, where are Jesus' disciples? Well, they're with him. So most likely when the Pharisee invites Jesus, the Pharisee also is inviting Jesus' disciples to come with him. And the Pharisee probably also has other Pharisees who dine and who eat together with them. So not only is Jesus rebuking the Pharisees here in this passage, but at the same time, I believe he's teaching his disciples. He's teaching his disciples what pleases God and what doesn't please him. So as I studied each of these verses, I asked myself the question, these questions. What does it look like to the outsider? But how are things really on the inside? And what does God truly want for us? So first in verses 39 through 41, he rebukes the Pharisees for cleaning the outside, but being filthy on the inside. In verses 40 and 41, he says, You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. See, the Pharisees, they were particular about how they looked. right? They wanted to look just right, how they were perceived. They wanted to be seen as holy, as presentable. But Jesus rebukes them because he says on the inside, you're full of greed and wickedness. And God, who made both the inside and the outside, he knows. He knows what's in their hearts. For us, we can fool people around us about our spirituality, about our integrity, about our desire to grow in the Lord. But we we can't fool God. Jesus is saying, Pay attention, pay attention, friend, to what's inside of you. It doesn't matter how well together you appear, how good you look on the outside, if you're not right with God on the inside. I think this is part of the challenge we face, being confined to our homes and and being secluded. The things we do to make ourselves feel better or look better in the public eye or things we do to build a reputation. These things no longer exist. And in some sense, all we're left with these days is just us in our homes and what's in our hearts. 
I think this time has been very self-revealing. I know it has been for me. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Then Jesus gives a remedy. He explains what he wants us to do. What does he say? He says, be generous to the poor. I think it's fascinating that this is a remedy for the wickedness inside of the Pharisees and for the wickedness inside of us. I think learning to be generous, especially to the poor, is one of the most difficult things for us to do in our culture today. I think we all know the feeling of giving begrudgingly, like, oh, I don't really want to give that much, or I don't think this person deserves that. And I know for myself, these things are a struggle. Even though I've been blessed, so blessed, uh, yet it's hard to open my hands and to be generous. And I need God's, I need God's help to transform, transform my heart. Proverbs 19:17 says, "Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done." Wow. Proverbs 11:25 says, "A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed." Are you feeling refreshed these days? Your generosity may give you a clue as to why or why not. This is what God wants for us, to be generous, to be kind to the poor, because this is where his heart is. In these verses, though, do you also notice the corollary? Not only is being generous an antidote for the greed and materialism that we, that we struggle with, but it's a way for God to open, uh, open reward, prosperity, and refreshment for his people. He wants us to be generous for our own good. In verse 42, Jesus goes on to rebuke the Pharisees because they tithe scrupulously but neglect justice and love. This is really an example of, you know, not being able to see the forest for the trees. It says they tithe, they give a tenth of their income to God's work. And they tithe down to the garden herbs. I don't know if Jesus is being facetious here, but it's like going into your garden and pulling one little mint leaf off the plant and setting it aside for God for every nine or ten that you, you cook with. Okay? It's being that, that detailed and that meticulous. And as ridiculous as that sounds, Jesus is not condemning them for, for their tithing practices. In fact, I believe he's supporting the command to tithe, to give to God's work. This is something that we need to bring before the Lord so that we can be faithful in tithing. But what they didn't do, what the Pharisees didn't do, is they didn't submit themselves to God. And they didn't seek justice for others. See, what does this look like? Well, from the outside, it looks like the Pharisees are devoted followers of God. Boy, they're conscientious. They're very specific about their their giving and their tithing. But in reality, we see that they're distant from God. They're far from him. And this is what makes Jesus so upset. 
they go through the motions. They, they follow their traditions and their rules, but they don't let God penetrate their hearts. Isaiah 117 says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And as a church, uh, I think we're growing in this area. I think we still have more to, to do and more to grow. Um, but I think we're taking steps. We have a ministry called Mercy and Justice at our church. And it's been going on for about two or three years. Um, in this ministry, I think we're trying to learn what it means to, uh, to offer justice and to defend the oppressed. But like everything, it starts by submitting ourselves to God and adopting his heart for others. In verse 43, Jesus says, Woe to you, Pharisees, because you love the best seats in the house and you love being shown respect in the marketplace. Again, the Pharisees were so focused on looking good, getting people's respect, that they didn't consider what it means to be good or how to do good. From an outsider's point of view, they may have looked devout, but inside they were full of pride and selfishness. And Jesus, he calls them on it. And we see this in the world today, pride and selfishness. Boy, that it dominates our culture. Those are like cultural values in business and politics and sports in every walk of life. We see pride and we see selfishness, don't we? Who doesn't look for the highest position or the best seats or the praise of men? Jesus knows this is a challenge in our world and for us as followers as well. In Matthew 20, the mother of James and John, two of Jesus's disciples, goes to Jesus and he asks him for a favor. He asks, she asks that they, her sons, would be seated at Jesus's right and his left in the kingdom of God. Good old mom, always advocating for her kids. But this, this was a very worldly request. And Jesus, he calls us to be different. Our primary goal as Christians should not be the praise of men or worldly acclaim. It should always be to please our Heavenly Father. We should desire God's favor, not man's. In ministry, we talk about serving an audience of one, an audience of one. The call of God, the voice of God in our lives should trump all other voices. This is a huge challenge because in our lives, in the circles that we travel in, in school, in the workplace, with our friends and relatives even, in social media, okay, they all, all of these places, they want to tell you how to live your life, what's important. But nothing, nothing should be more important in your life than the will of God. His opinion is all that matters. And the Pharisees, they had lost sight of that. So lastly here, as we wrap up, in verse 44, Jesus compares the Pharisees to unmarked graves. From the outside, they looked religious and spiritual, 
but on the inside, he says, they were corpses who defiled their followers. He says, you're full of judgment and condemnation. You burden the people. Okay, and that's not the way of the Lord. Jesus is the opposite. He came to bring life and to bring it in abundance. In Matthew 11, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. As Christ followers, we are free. We are free from judgment, from legalism, from condemnation. We are not to be weighed down, and we are not to weigh down others by traditions and rituals and rules that appear religious but miss the heart of God. Why? Why was Jesus so harsh with the Pharisees? I think one of their main reasons is he didn't want his followers, he didn't want his disciples to be confused about what it means to love God and what it looks like to love others. It's not about following rules. It's not about looking good on the outside. Later in Luke chapter 12, Jesus says, beware of the um, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. Beware of their hypocrisy. See, God's work in our lives always begins on the inside first. It begins with our hearts. And as we grow, as we, as we allow God to mold and shape us, we're able to express his love for others through our generosity, through our justice, and our mercy and love for others. Let us submit ourselves to God. Let us give our hearts to the Lord. And then let's seek to do his will. Amen.